The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities, and future plans. This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS. And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS. Hi, everyone. My name is Juan Giraudo. I'm from Argentina. I did my MBA in Kaplan Business School. I started in 2018. I graduated last year. I'm working as a product intelligence specialist at Valiant Finance. Tonight, we have Juan Pablo Girardo, a MBA graduate from Sydney class of 2020. He is a product intelligence specialist for Valiant Finance. How are you doing, Juan? I'm doing really good. Yeah, thank you so much for coming, coming on to the show. I've known you actually since your first days on campus when I was a careers advisor. Several years ago, when you first came, I remember on orientation day, you came to the careers booth with your friends and you had literally just arrived in Australia and were already asking about updating resumes and internship opportunities, which I was, it really impressed me. So what did you do for your career while you were studying? What, what did you get up to? Well, that, that was the starting point, trying, because what I studied back in my country, it actually doesn't exist here in Australia, uh, and it, it's called industrial engineering. And it may sound that I'll work in an industry, like I'm more in logistic or supply chain or something like that, but actually my experience was in sales and marketing. So that created like a confusion every time that I want to sell myself because was oh, I have experience in sales, but I'm an engineer. So it was kind of confusing. So trying to align all those things to the Australian market was pretty interesting. I remember those first uh, conversations with you, rewriting my whole curriculum, trying to add even a few more things or how to actually customize it for a particular uh, shop posts that I found in SIC or LinkedIn or whatever. And so it was pretty interesting. Then I did an internship by Kaplan in a recruitment company, which, I mean, it was good at the time. It was more like a really entry-level role, pretty easy stuff to do. It was more data entry or, or small reports to create, but it was good. It was my first experience working in Australia and, and it was a, a nice start. And actually I, I, I made a great impression over there that at the very end, when I was finishing my MBA, I got these people to actually be my referrals when I applied to my current shop. And actually I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but I think that someone from that first internship was the one that put me in contact with the recruiter from my current employee. So it's like, even that internship that I did two years ago, and then after that, I, the, the internship ended, I didn't continue with that company, but two years after, it, it gave me results. So it's, it's pretty interesting. 
It's all about the network, right? It's it's funny how that works out, but but that does happen. That's great. And well, how did you know what you wanted to do, though? Because you came and you said that that must be a big shock. You come and your field that you're trained in isn't even available here in Australia. And so how did you end up actually getting from that to, okay, now I'm I'm a product intelligence specialist. What was that path? Well, uh, when I was working in sales, I probably was one of the more analytic person working in sales. So I, I had this uh, analytic background, probably because of engineering, and, and I really like it. But I started looking for different roles and trying to understand what you will call my, my previous role here in Australia. And actually, it's more like a business, a BDM, a business development manager, what I did before. But it's, yeah, but probably to do that job, I will need to probably improve my English skills. I'll need to know more about the Australian culture, the the way that people work over here to actually be a good BDM. Like a, without know, knowing the culture is kind of hard. So it's like, okay, what about if I do this other thing that I really like to, which is more focusing on the analytic uh, aspect of any industry, actually. And then I start looking for information in Kaplan and outside of Kaplan. I started doing some different like a Udemy courses to get to know some new tools. And actually, I did a second internship in Kaplan Business School, which was much more related to analytics. It was actually being a, the name was, was pretty interesting. I can't remember the, the, the name of the role, but actually it was doing analytics tech company, which was quite good. It was creating many dashboard and visualizations uh, reports using Power BI for this company. And that was like the first role actually working in analytics. Well, I got this current shop that I'm doing in Valiant Finance, which is purely analytics and working purely as a business intelligence. So it's, it's pretty good. Wow. Well, I have to say, Two internships, one, hats off to you. That's pretty amazing that you were able to do that. Yeah, no, I do I do remember. I was really impressed when you when you came. Uh, you know, only very few students actually come at the very start when they arrive and are so sort of driven. But you can always, and this is when I was a careers advisor, but you can always tell when somebody's going to be successful. For some people, it's not clear, but for other people, it's like it, you know, okay, this person's going somewhere, you know, so it's it's a rewarding feeling, uh, you know, to work with somebody like that. So Juan, now I, I'd love to know then what exactly does your current job entail? What does a product intelligence specialist do? So product intelligence is, is related to business intelligence. There's so many names you call what a business intelligence specialist does. And um, product intelligence that I, I have that name because he's doing business int- intelligence around the product, the platform. Uh, Valiant Finance is a, is a fintech company that actually try to find the best lender solution for the small and medium enterprise in Australia. And it, it is a platform and we have more than 80 lenders in our panel, more than 200 different products in our panel. And if you think on all the final combinations of these products, it actually is 
having like six, 700 different options to present to a particular business. So to be able to choose the right option between those 800 is where we need to use and we use data. And there's where my role is. So my role is trying to talk with all these different AT lenders from major banks like Westpac, ANZ, or other like Pepper Money, Mula, Get Capital, and talking with the BDNs over there, trying to understand their product offering, then going back to Valiant and putting that information into our platform, checking if we can capture all the information or if we need to work with the engineering department and try to add more features to, to our platform, working also with the sales team internally to understand how is their decision-making process at the time to select a particular product and trying to replicate that in our, in our system, in our platform. So we actually let these product specialists use the platform to help them, like, uh, yeah, to provide the right outcomes. It's not that it's going to replace them, but it's more they can use it and put their, their knowledge, their understanding of the business in the platform. And then the platform will guide them to get the best result, the best product, and between the best product, the best rate in the end. Well, and that's really interesting. FinTech or financial technologies, that's actually disrupting the financial industry as a whole around the world and in Australia. Could you tell us in layman's terms what fintech actually does? Is it like online banking, online commerce, or is it a bit different? Fintech is the integration of financial services with technology. So you have different time of fintech in the world. You can have business lending as we do, or buy now, pay later options. There's many, I can't remember the moment, but there's different things. What we are doing is, is in the fintech industry, we are working in the lending space. And in the lending space, space, we don't actually lend money. We connect a lender with a client. Particularly, this industry, I think, is growing really fast because if the economy is growing, then businesses will need money to grow. If the economy is going down, probably business will need money to pay debts or like more working capital needs. So I think that like the, the industry, the fintech industry as overall is growing, but the lending industry, the fintech lending industry is growing even more inside that. Where exactly it's going is it's hard to tell. I think we talk about this in, in other opportunities. Uh, I wish I can tell you exactly where we, where we are going, but uh, 100% sure technology is going to be more important, more relevant in, in every lender company and in, in, in every industry probably. So I think that uh, lending uh, fintech companies are going to be leading or guiding the whole industry. I really am excited about your future opportunities, Juan. Do you have any idea where in five years' time or so where you think fintech might be headed? It will depend because at the end, the, the consumer, the, the person, in this case, the business that actually is going to use the product, it, it will define how they want uh, the buying experience. So as long the business owners don't know exactly how all financial products, all the lending options 
that they have a available, the human element will will be there, right? So I don't think that AI or machine uh, machine learning analytics, everything is going to help the right people to make the right decisions. But this human element, these all brokers that you've been talking with, probably that human element, it will still be for the next five years. Maybe if we are talk about the next 20, 30 years when we have a more like a millennials and centennials getting to own businesses, then maybe they, these people are more used to technology and they are more used to interact with a with a bot with a machine so maybe at that time yeah we can automate everything but at the moment i think that the technology is 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 always going to be a tool to help the right people to make the best decision but things are changing things are changing a lot so those that actually don't embrace the technology they're going to uh, be led behind like a Technology and fine tech, for instance, for, for consequence, actually, is going to become much, much more important in the in the lending space, I, I think. You know, I think you're insightful there because the one thing about financial services that everyone depends on is the element of trust. And right now, it's kind of difficult to trust a cold machine. We still want to go see when we're going to sign a, a document worth, you know, lots of money. We still want to see a human being look them in the eye and say, Yes, I can trust you. You can't look at a computer in the eye. But as people get used to it, as computers get, the, the interfaces get more humanized, more friendly, so to speak, I could see maybe the millennials and centennials, like you say, beginning to trust the technology. What type of analysis would you do as a, as a product intelligence specialist? What kinds of things do you look at? There's two elements. One is more listening and trying to understand because each of these lenders can build their own product. They can build something from scratch and it's a new product. It's, it's so easy to create a product that is actually disruptive or different to all the others, which make it complex to, to understand maybe to others. But so it's talking like, okay, this is a, your new product offering. Let's talk about it. Let's understand it together. Let's actually understand how, how that will work and who are the clients, who are the businesses you're looking for. Then once you understand that, actually it's going back and putting that on the system. That's one part of the task or things that I do. Then the other part is actually going back to these people and saying, okay, we you are doing this, but actually if you do this and this and this and this, it's more likely that you get more business from us because we, we check not only your information, we check the, the information from all the other 80 lenders. We put all that data together and try to see the different trends like uh okay or or try to find break break points like okay at this rate will will make a big difference in the volume this or the, this credit score there's many 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 variables that we can talk about but is particularly talking with individual lenders trying to understand their part that's one and the other one is using all the data that we collect from all all these 80 different lenders and then try to provide insights to them and try to provide insights to, to our sales team, of course, first thing we do, so they can actually do a more data-driving decision. I'm interested, Juan, you said, you mentioned getting left behind when we were talking about fintech and, and sort of technology per- 
progressing forward. If you don't, if, if you're not with it, you, you might get left behind. What do you think are key skills for people to work on or understand so that they can stay relevant in their jobs? It could be in, in your job or or just general skills that people should be working on now? Well, it, it, it depending which is your role, right? If you work on sales at the moment, you are a broker and you work in sales and you are used to a few lenders, you need to be aware that there are many and more and more lenders showing in the industry. So there are more options than those three, four that you are used to it. So it means if you still want to provide the best solution to your clients, you need to get to know all the other 80s and try to understand the whole product offering they have or use technology, use data, use this kind of tools, use Valiant, use the platform, use data and the technology to process all that data to get the best outcome. That if you are, if you work in sales, if you work as I do, I'm not a salesperson here. I'm I'm doing the work behind. You you need to understand the the way of thinking. The anal- you, you you need to have that an analytic mindset to understand how a particular product, how how this particular lender is defining a product, how you can actually transform that into something, into the logic that you need to put in, into your system, trying to see if you actually can capture all these requirements that they are mentioning. So it's trying, it's more like getting that analytical uh, mindset to understand this, how to, like how the programming language works, how the business language works, and being that bridge, bridge between these two parts of the business, which as I'm saying that, it may sound like, oh, you need to be a, a software engineer, you meet, you need to be a developer. And I think that is not true. Like, uh, as I say before, my background is in sales and I, I do have a background in engineering that clearly helps. But I think that the, the analytic industry, the analytic uh, role need, need more people coming from sales. Because if all the people that, can, that, that, that work in analytics are from a technical background, they are developers, they may lack of business knowledge, business acumen. And in the analytics space, you need, you need both. You need to understand you, you are that bridge. You are the bridge between the technical and business person, right? So you need to understand, maybe you are not the best on sales. You are not the best on coding, but you need to understand both things. You need to be able to talk and communicate with both parts. And then, well, that's plenty of tools depending the the problem that you have to use and to leverage all the data that you get, right? But I totally recommend to people that actually are interested. If, if you work with Excel and you are really crazy on trying to find insights using that, then that's having an uh, analytic mindset. Probably you need to improve some other skills, some programming language, some SQL or other different tools that are really needed in the industry. But if you have that mindset and you have a really good business acumen, I think you you are needed in the in the analytic industry. Juan, you mentioned the, the complexity being able to translate between the technical language and the business language. And that makes me think that you have quite a complex, quite a multitude of stakeholders that you need to manage. So <laughs> if you're managing those stakeholders, what is the, the key skill, the interpersonal skill that you think is the most valuable? 
is it something like emotional intelligence or is it something like the technical knowledge and being able to communicate technically? Uh, it's a combination of all of them, I'll say. Being emotional intelligence, it helps because it, it helps you to understand how the other person actually see the problem or whatever you're talking about. So that's pretty important. So if I'm talking to the sales team, I'm not going to go with million of numbers and trends and things like that. I, I, it's probably going to be too much data, too much numbers to them. So I need to try to find a business problem that they have and tell them how, oh, if you use this and this and this from the platform, then you can solve that particular problem, for instance. So it's trying to speak their language. But then when I go and speak with a developer because I need something extra, uh, something uh, added to our platform, I will not tell them the whole business problem that we have to explain the reasons why we need that particular future. Probably I'll go and explain from a logic perspective, like, okay, at the moment to make all these things mutually exclusive, uh, we will need to add this extra variable, otherwise, blah, 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 and try to explain it from a more logical perspective. Uh, so probably I'll say between those is emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence give you the ability to understand the language uh, that the other person speak, and then you can adapt to that, that particular conversation you need to have. I'm really interested in this and in rounding out my idea, my concept of a product intelligence specialist, I'd like to know from you, Juan, what do you think is the most, say, challenging aspect of a role like that? And and also, what do you think is the most enjoyable? I have to say the most challenging one probably is the most enjoyable one because I like the challenge. I'll say that growing adoption because sometimes the technology evolves faster, much faster than what people and what salespeople are used to it. So thinking about how exactly I can sell this internally and externally, because I, I talk with salespeople, not only internal, in, internally from Valiant, but also externally from all, all these different lenders. So trying actually to show the value proposition of what you are doing, because if you are a salesperson, you may you may be confident with what you know already. So trying to show these persons that actually they can use the technology to leverage their results. So it's trying to show that value when you are creating the, the technology, trying to drive adoption is, is probably the most challenging thing, but at the same time, it's really enjoyable once you get it. So it's like if you start from scratch one project and you see how that grows and how people start using it, then it's so satisfying. You mentioned technology adoption and that really sparked my interest because I'm curious, how does Valiant go about that? Is, do you get technology adoption by having a very good but standardized package or do you customize the package for various lending scenarios or for customers? Yes, in both cases is we have our own technology and we customize it for, we try to, we want to show the best result. And to be able to show the best result, we need to capture everything. So we need to adapt to each particular product that uh, if a new lender came in and say, oh, this is my product, and I use all these different variables and this logic 
in deciding which uh, business can apply to it. And we don't have that. We are 100% going to build that in because we want to be able to capture or to yeah to add into our logic all the different all the possible scenarios. So yeah, hundred percent. It's totally customized, and the, the the company itself is pretty technology driven. I'll say one of the founder actually is the is really a tech person. He's really imposed, right? The, the company as a whole, but having one of the founders being so technology driven, data driven, it of course helps organization culture. That's a whole new level of challenge. Like Karen was getting earlier, what is your favorite challenge? That sounds like a big challenge to me, just keeping track of stakeholder requirements, customer requirements, what technology functionality they need, and then providing it to them. Now, I have a question that it just occurred to my mind. In five years' time, where do you see maybe yourself? That's a pretty good question, I have to say. I like the industry. I like I, I like analytics. So working in analytics, that's hundred percent sure. And I really like the industry, the fintech industry. I I started less than a year ago, and I'm pretty in love with it. So probably still working in analytics and in the industry. You know, I have to say, you make me excited about it because you're on the leading edge of innovation, if I can put it that way. And it's only going to get more innovative as time goes on. So I've got to turn around and say, what a career you've got! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it really is exciting stuff. And and do you see Juan? Do you see any major skill areas that you want to work on? Any any things that you need to build in yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I have a, this analytic mindset, right? That that helps a lot. But then the tools are changing all the time, so you need to be on top of that. Like at the moment, I'm trying to improve my SQL skills because I need to use it as a database management. I'm also starting to learn Python, which is pretty important as well if you want to do analytics. But maybe in a couple of years, we are talking about something different. I've been reading a few books actually, and they are like trying to see the different trends in analytics. And it's interesting because you read someone and say, oh, SQL is not going to be important anymore and then you read other one and said no sql is going to be forever so all these different tools you need to learn it but the most important thing is to have this analytic mindset on the back to be able to understand them but uh for the next three four years i need to clearly improve my sql skills and python skills if you could give advice to a student who is trying to get into analytics but not quite sure if they have that background what kind of advice would you give? What, what should they do in order to secure a position like you have? If you come from a sales background as I do, use that as your value proposition. Most of the people come from a technical background, right? So you, if you come from the other way, use that as your value proposition. Try to learn a, at least one of these tools, maybe SQL or maybe Python or maybe even Excel in like being a master using Excel, and then use your knowledge as a value proposition because most of the technical people will come, uh, most of the people that are technical and try, and are going to be competing with you, they will lack of that. So use that in your advantage. Well, I've got just one last question, Juan, because 
we knew each other when I was a careers advisor. And again, I was just very impressed by you coming in and being so proactive and doing two internships. Now I work with uh, alumni and helping in the transition from student to professional, helping with, with when students are finishing their studies. Uh, and I would just love to know if you have any piece of advice for somebody who's finishing their studies, what you would recommend they do next. That's a good question, actually. There's plenty of things that you can do. Like networking is pretty important. So there's different ways to network before COVID and hopefully that become available soon going to different meetings. If you are, before COVID, I was going like two, yeah, probably two meetings per week related to analytics. Even maybe sometimes they were pretty complex and I had no idea what, what they were talking about, but it gave me an idea of what are the different trends in the market, right? So going to different networking events, if that is not a buy level, try to connect with people in LinkedIn, try to read a book, try to do a course, apply for different jobs, apply, 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 apply. At some point, you, you will get that opportunity. And the most that you've been training yourself to push yourself to, to talk about the field that you want to work. So in these networking events, I, I push myself to talk to people. And by talking over there, you talk about analytics because that's what the event was for, right? So all these different conversations, even having this conversation with you guys talking about analytics, if I'm looking for a job at the moment, it will help me. So. Try to push yourself to talk and, and to do this thing that you want to do. So at the time of the interview, you are well prepared and well, uh, much more confident. That's fantastic. I think that's really helpful. I, I know that I, I like to practice that as well. And I think it's really good advice for anybody really at any stage in their career. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Juan, and, and your perspective. Your story has been really great to, to see and, and to hear. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoy it. Thank you, guys. The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Karen Howard and me, Dr. Richard Stager. The podcast is published every Wednesday night. Search for the Kaplan Community Podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our LinkedIn group. Search for the Kaplan Business School Alumni Community. Please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.